Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we've seen The Northman. Yes. Hugely anticipated. The latest film uh, by writer-director Robert Eggers. Mm. Co-written by an author named Sean. I've not heard of. He's uh, Icelandic. And indeed the film is based on an Icelandic medieval mythological figure. Mm. uh, Which is also what inspired Hamlet. uh, And latterly The Lion King. (laughs) 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 Um, it's a story of Amleth, who is this ancient figure in Scandinavian legend. And if you know what I'm talking about with Hamlet and Lion King, then you know the bare bones of this story. Mm. Um, a young boy who is being raised to be the heir to well, to a throne. Uh, his father is killed by the father's brother. The child escapes and years later comes back to have his vengeance. Mm. And spoilers will be coming up. So even if you know Hamlet and everything, spoilers are coming up almost immediately. That is the bare bones. And what I would say strays up is that I didn't know this. I mean, I knew it was about vengeance, roughly speaking. Yes. Um, I think based on The Lighthouse, which was Edgar's last film, which we loved. Mm. I haven't seen The Witch. I know you have. I have, yes. Um, but that was also very well received. Mm. Um Based on the lighthouse, I was expecting much more complexity in this, I think, in the characters, the motivations, and so on. And what I ended up discovering was the appeal for me was the violence. Oh, I love the violence, but I also think it has um, thematic complexity and, you know, some absolutely, like, stunning imagery, really. Stunning imagery. It looks sensational. I was just talking to my brother about it over text, because he's seen it too, and I know it's the sort of thing he would be looking forward to. And he was saying, actually, there's something about the look that didn't quite appeal to him, which was, I think, the kind of steadiness of it, which is something that really worked for me. There's a mm. lot of tripod work and a lot of um, very well-orchestrated single takes where the camera moves smoothly and, and turns with purpose. My brother was sort of suggesting... I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he was sort of suggesting he wanted it a little bit less controlled. Oh, no. But maybe if it was a little more shaky or raw or something, it would have worked better for him. Mm. For me, I, I think that would have made it a little bit too much like Gladiator or something. Yeah, I know, I love this. I love uh, I love the control of it, actually, because it is it is a control. Mm. I mean... It, I know. mean, it's a controlled image within which incredibly brutal things happen. Yes. It's a contrast, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I also like the idea of, you know, a controlled image that's very deliberate... Right, it's the opposite of what we saw earlier in the day, which was Fantastic Beasts, which, you know, it kind of looked, well, it didn't even look particularly pretty, but, you know, kind of, you you wanted the thing to represent itself and to do something else, and it never did. And actually, in this one, it did. I mean, you know, the very first uh, scene with Ethan Hawke mm. kind of going up the hill on the horse, right, like, you know, the camera and the composition is communicating something about... You know this person's power and authority, and yeah. Mm. Uh, um, so I, I really uh, loved and appreciated all of that, actually. Hmm. Um. I mean, I think I'm going to go out on a limb and and risk sounding quite stupid. And there's a whole kind of area of um, mythological history and kind of local Scandinavian kind of uh, vocabulary that I'm just not. Neither am I. No, don't appreciate about about the film. I think it is working with, but I don't think it's necessary to to know that to enjoy no, this film. It isn't. And I did enjoy it, but 
I mean, like I said, I'm going to risk making myself sound maybe a bit stupid by saying I don't think it's enormously deep. I don't think there's really any depth to it. I think it goes essentially down that line of the revenge story, which is to say that it benefits no one. This thing about everyone lives with, with honour. It's, it's, it's honour to die in battle. The, um, Ethan Hawke, which is the child's dad at the start, as he, he says this exactly. You know, I will die on the battlefield. That is where I should die. Um, and this thing about coming back and avenging people, even when it turns out that, you know, well, even when a complication emerges and that what um, the main character, what Amla thinks he's avenging isn't quite what he thought, still, it, it essentially doesn't change what he what he's doing and it ends up with this this essentially it's like toxic masculinity says avenge people die on the battlefield and it benefits nobody and that's kind of what the film ends up saying and i don't think it's yeah that's that's just fairly standard revengey stuff i don't agree i mean i think you know um i think marvel films are like a good comparison really Mm. you know because i think there are depths here i mean He's brought up in this culture. He's given kind of this idea of how to be a man, right, and what to expect. And, you know, if you understand kind of, you know, the principles of faith that these people have, it's, it's a way of understanding the world that you get from this film, right? Mm. Um, and kind of, you know, then he finds out that all his life, which has been lonely and sad and exploitative and so on, you know, has been like, for reasons that he didn't expect at all, right? So he was thought that, uh, you know, he was going to rescue his mother. Actually, his mother had his father, spoilers, killed. And, you know, that scene with Nicole Kidman, where he finds it out, it's like, Mm. it's fantastic, right? Mm, mm. You know? Well, that's where I thought, oh, I'm glad there's some complexity going on here, because it was such such a simple story up until that point, really. You know what I mean? Well, but the thing is that, you know, as the film goes on, it unfolds, right? Uh, So... I mean, I think what you have to take for granted is, and maybe there's something about Eggers, because you see it in all of the films, yeah? Mm-hmm. You know, the thing about witchcraft or Christianity or God or faith, yeah, uh, or sirens, right? There's a mystical <laughs> dimension kind of, you know, to, to all of the films. But I think kind of, you know, it is a film that asks you, well, what is life? How do you live it? What is the purpose of it? Right? And then kind of turns everything kind of upside down it's not what he expects right and you know the revelation that maybe you know his father had been really terrible you know that his mother whom he even expected to be something had actually been just chattel and a slave and mm-hmm. yeah I mean all of those things are kind of I thought were really fascinating really well that's like I say where it became interesting but still what does it end but up but it changing? has it there so what? it's not just that it's interesting it's that it's 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 there right uh, so you know, by putting it in the film, whether it's at the beginning or the end of the film, it makes everything that you've seen before it kind of you know interesting and something to question the relationships amongst all of mm. those things. Well, it'll be interesting to go back and and see kind of with that knowledge in mind of what the mother actually had planned and her relationship with the father that she explains to the son, you know, to see what her relationship was like with the so to to see those scenes again essentially, mm. but. Um, I mean, ultimately, what changes for the main character? He does question himself a little bit, but he ends up thinking an escape from this to, to abandon the vengeance um, mission to go off with Anya Taylor-Joy, who he's met and fallen in love mm. with, would be the right thing. But when he finds out that um, she's pregnant and you have this recurring imagery of the vision of a family tree, which is mm. wonderful, 
um, you see that come up and you see he, he gets a vision himself they're going to be a boy and a girl um, that, that, that leads him to abandon abandoning it and goes back and gets himself killed finishing his such a I don't know what it changes really um, well I mean I think for me you know that brings out a kind of a selflessness so by that point there's been like a transition to film because he's connected you know with this woman on a different level yeah, they've had sex. He has this line of dialogue where he says, I no longer feel alone, right? You know, and then that moment of uh, when he realizes that she's pregnant and that she'll have twins, that changes his mind. But it's not about him fulfilling his destiny or whatever. I think he says something like... It is for the safety of the children that they'll never be safe while exactly, the is still around. Right. You know, so, so that's the way that's what he says, you know, he'll, he'll protect... It's not an either-or thing. It's, you know, you protect your family and get your vengeance. Mm. Um, so... Uh, uh, He's I, defying fate at that point, actually. Cause yeah. He says, it was fated that I would have to choose, and I choose both. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, I thought that was, I thought that was like, uh, mm. kind of, you know, beautiful and moving. Uh, and there are things in the film that I think are very beautiful and moving and that work almost on a kind of image level, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so the scene where they make love in the fire, right? I mean, there's something about the way that his skin is lit and the way that her skin is lit. Yeah, that kind of, you see a moment of, like, of connection. and In the fire? Yeah, you know, they, when they finally have sex, yeah? There's a fire, and the fire lights her body, but his body remains, like, grayed out in the background. I don't remember that image. I remember the image of them making love from from far away, and it's just the whole scene is blue, and they're in the forest. But I remember a fire. Yeah, no, this is this okay. is at night, and I think there's a fire. Okay. Um, and uh, you know he's he's very muscular, but you just see his legs and his chest. But he's almost like a. Oh black. yeah, yeah, post coitly. Yeah. Yes, when they're talking. Um, sure. So you know, and I thought kind of those were very powerful. Also, you know, the imagery of uh, the woman on horseback as a Valkyrie, mm. you know. Uh, and the thing is that each of those images have a different sheen. Yeah, it's almost like texturally different, yeah. Mm. So, you know, those images are very glossy and they have color and I think it's a white horse and shiny, yeah. Mm. Uh, whereas actually, in terms of what your brother was saying, I thought it was interesting because I thought, oh, God, no, I, thought, I hope it's not going to be one of those films with a shaky camera where it's all <laughs> damp and mud and, yeah, yeah like, you know. Uh, so, but and it really I mean, isn't. The mud is beautifully filmed. No, no, but it does evoke <laughs> that dampness and harshness yeah. and so on, you know. Uh, but it does more than that, right? Um, so, uh, you know, because what I associate with those films that are all about shaky camera and mud and so on, is that then nothing gets properly done. So the action is, you know, mm -hmm. uh, slash, slash, slash camera all over the place. Well, actually, you know, when action happens here, like, you feel it, right? Yeah. You feel <laughs> you know? it, and it's beautifully visually orchestrated. It's yes. thought about and, and works out how they're, going to, how they're going to film this, how they're going to choreograph it. Mm. It's a real joy to watch those action sequences. Yes. Yeah. And actually, even when it's not quite an action sequence, but... You know, so that moment where the man who tried to kill him and he poked his nose out, <laughs> you know, as a, as a child, when they re-meet again and he just takes the sword and pushes it through his nose. Got a reaction out of me. I got a reaction out of me. And actually, it's not because it was an action sequence or the excitement of watching, you know, actions. It was just 
the brutality, the, the stillness. Yeah, <laughs> you see it all go through slowly, right? Like, yeah, feel that you fucker. There's, <laughs> a, very, there's a sound effect on it as well. I think. I think there's a you know like like metal on metal that kind of sound effect, and it's really emphasizes yes. how vicious and deliberate that is. Mm. Yeah, and I went oh. But I think I think there are themes here about life and family and um, the place of women. I think is one the place of women within these societies and maybe within these stories. Yes, um, they have important roles here. You've got the blind seer who turns out is played by Bjork. Not that yes. I think we were aware of that beforehand. Um, who is, I think, the key person in terms of telling in terms of. In terms of giving out what this fate is and what the details will be, and you'll fight him in a lake of fire and that mm. sort of thing. Um, obviously, the mother is absolutely key to yes. well, the father's death initially, and, and putting this whole story into motion, um, and then revealing to the son what the truth is. And well, her version to, of the truth, because sure. you know that's another way that the film is very interesting. Because I'm not sure I totally believe her, you know, but at least she raises the question doesn't she? Because then she's got an evil twist. Because I think you would believe her if she didn't then go on, kiss her son passionately and erotically and say, we could rule this thing together once you killed your uncle, mm. right? Only to then turn back and try to kind of stab him. So, so you know... But did you take that seriously when she kissed him? Because I thought that was, she's... she's uh, mocking isn't the right word, but... but Clearly, he's so stunned by this turn of events yes. and this and this change to what he believed was the case. She is feeding on that. She is feeding on that, you know, and I'm not sure if she... I mean, this is how the film is so interesting because it opens up the possibility that she is playing with him, but she's also wanting him to believe in that possibility only to mock him later. Right, because you know these things have a time. Yeah. <laughs> so I think from the beginning to the end of that scene, obviously the tone changes and the meaning changes. And, yeah. Yeah. But but in that moment, it certainly raises the possibility for him, right? So you know, but actually, her doing that raises all these questions about you know his belief system, who he took his mother to be, is she reliable about the father? You know, what are mothers? Aren't mothers supposed to love their children? Mm. Yeah, and, and not in a sexual way. And, you know, if she did this to him, then what's her relationship with her other child? Is it different because it's a child made of love rather than, you know, because mm. the film makes it clear that he's the result of a rape. Mm. Yeah. But she was a slave taken by the father and yeah. he was not a good man. Well, he says he forced himself. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, but it raises all, I mean, those are all kind of like, you know, uh, really interesting questions that you don't expect to see in a standard kind of, you know. No, that's though. true. Uh, so She's an interesting character. Anya Taylor-Joy's character, I don't think is very interesting, despite the fact that actually she's played beautifully, mm. very evocatively. She's essentially, she, she's got her own reasons um, for wanting revenge on this uncle figure. Not She's not part of the family or anything. And I don't think we get much detail about it, but she clearly sees that she can ally with um, Amleth, if you know, if, if he's up for it, um, and they fall in love, but she ultimately is she she's someone who kind of activates a different part of his psyche. He, he keeps saying, "All I've known is hate throughout my life, and I'd like to know something else." And he says that to her because she is 
work not not deliberately but she just by her nature the fact he's falling in love with her is working on him in a different way but ultimately she's still essentially someone who just represents something else the, I, the bearer of children mm, I mean I think again yes I mean so you know the film is really all about men and you know it's a film about men and men's actions where women play a partic- particular role so mm. you know we can agree on that but I think her role is actually very interesting both structurally and in itself because actually he is part of, you know, an invading force, yeah, into her village that's out there just to loot and enslave, right? Like, you know, yes. and so he turns himself into a slave when he finds out that his uncle is at this particular place where the slaves are being taken. You know, but she is just somebody that actually the people he was with have just enslaved, mm-hmm. right? So actually it has this very interesting rhyme with the mother, yeah? Yes. So, because, you know, the mother says, oh, every time you wear a crown, people just think you were a princess, but, you know, and then she shows her mark of a slave, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think that, yeah, mm-hmm. that has kind of uh, interesting resonances, yeah? I'm mm-hmm. kind of, I'm not sure I figured it out yet, um, but one of the interesting things about the film is, you know, that you do see people's different motivations and, and people's different reasons. So the bad guy is supposed to be the Uncle Fjord or something like that. Let me just quickly get his name because he has got a name and they say it a lot. Yes. Um, <laughs> Uncle Fjolnir. 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 Okay. So, and he's meant to be, you know, this, this bad guy. Uh, but actually everything you see about him is yeah reasonable. he's looking after his son raising him right yes yeah he, he seems to basically be looking after the slaves all right he loves his wife yeah so and yet you know he is somebody who killed his own brother yeah, yeah and stole his throne so yeah so you get kind of like these tensions in all of the characters right mm. you know like, i mean even the protagonist i mean so you saw him as a child you know, and then you gloss over everything that turned him into, you know, this huge Alexander Skarsgård, you know, uh, warrior, right? But you imagine it was terrible. And in fact, he tells you it was terrible. And then kind of, you know, you have these moments where like maybe his whole life has been a lie and he's been, you know, he's been having this misery and this goal and, you know, these principles and they're all on a, a bad foundation that actually things are not what they seem. Right, so it's almost like every character has that, yeah, mm. Uh, mm. yeah, including her, you know. Uh, so I mean, she's she's meant to be a sorceress, right? You know, uh, and you tell the joy, yeah, yeah. You know, she's also responsible for uh, giving hallucinations to all these people in the cooking and getting them to some of them to kill themselves, or mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it is very much about a kind of, you know, a survivalist culture with ghosts overhanging, you know, and a kind of an idea of heaven, Mm. but that's only open to some, and that's only open to those who participate in violence, which if you think about it, that's an Mm -hmm. interesting way of looking at heaven. If you don't die in battle, you don't get into Valhalla. Yeah, it's (laughs) only your way there. It's an extremely evocative world. That the film builds. Mm. It's such it's it's such a it's it's such an intoxicating place to be. 
the way people interact and the way things rely on violence and come down to violence so often and that the violence is so entertaining mm. quite frankly yes um, but also there's more there's like a kind of I don't know like um, a, a, a textural oops a uh, um, uh, uh, sensorial element right so you know there's the green of the huts it's almost like you do feel the mud right and then there's the scenes like in the hot springs with the you know the vapor kind of mm. you know going up I mean I think the film also kind of has this whole sensorial element about what things feel like yeah yes uh, yeah. Not, not just what they seem you know what they feel like to the protagonist walking in them uh, he uses I, color selectively as well at points which I really enjoyed mm. where you know very often it'll it'll drop things down to almost monochrome sometimes exactly monochrome but sometimes it's just almost monochrome where at night things are just lit up in shades of blue mm. but then a, a, a flaming torch illuminates someone in orange but the flickering you know, it, it, their face goes from blue to orange and blue to orange but it's not it's not natural it has been selected and graded deliberately in order mm. to do that and it's very strikingly done mm. it's very striking and very evocative and I wouldn't go so far as to say dreamlike but it has a lot of dreamlike elements yeah you know, because, I mean, there are moments where the prophecies or the dreams or the, the mushrooms, <laughs> yes, uh, kind of link up to reality. Or, or you think you're seeing one thing and then, yeah, it's it's revealed yeah, that it's Well, there's a bit else. where the, where one of the um, sort of fortune teller figures throws a snake at Amleth. And mm. then when he looks down, he sees it's a rope. You know, yes. he's been imagining something something different. There's but that. there's also the thing with the warrior who's holding on to the sword, yeah, where you have all of this fight and it's a full moon, and you think it's it is part of just a prophecy of a supernatural kind of thing, mm. right? And then he wins the sword, and then what you see is you know the statue or a corpse of a you know, soldier holding the sword, and mm. he just takes it. Yes, he's imagined having to have this battle yes. with this dead figure. And then, as it turns out, he's well. Well, I say or turns has out he imagined well, it. exactly right. Yeah. So it is kind of vague, but we see this battle enacted, and then, and then, when once he's defeated this corpse, the camera uh, tracks over, and it's in the same take. We in yeah, the same shot, same take. We see him just take the sword from the guy, which yeah, implies that mm. this is imagined in some way. Um, but whether that imagining is like what he thought he'd have to do, what he imagines he is doing, nothing nothing is clear in that in that sense. But maybe it's extremely evocative. Yeah, and maybe he's fought a supernatural bo- battle in order so that he can just take the sword. It could from, be that as well. You know, um, so there, there is something there about you know um, big things that happen in stories, things that are fated. So he's fated to get this sword. That's why mm. he's there. Um, big things that are supposed to happen are supposed to happen in big ways, which is what that fight is. Mm. And then it sort of undercuts it if we say that the truth of it is actually that he just takes a sword from a dead man. But we can't. Yeah. We can't. No, we can't say, say that it for sure. But like, it's one way of looking at it, and it's quite. It's it's to me quite an amusing undercutting of that idea. Well, I mean, I think the richness of this film is that it opens up all those possibilities. You know, by you know the very fact of showing you one thing and then showing you the other. Right, so then it opens up kind of very different ways of reading that. Is was there something supernatural? Was it his imagination? You know, are they connected? Is one kind of the, a battle that has to be fought internally, maybe mm. for the other? Yeah, it kind of it, it, that's all in play. 
Yeah, it's kind of it's a richness of the film that kind of all of those things can be factored in, yeah. you know, and then maybe kind of see if there are patternings in the rest of the film. Well, another way of looking at it is that that undercuts the kind of the ultra masculine tone of these things. The ultra masculine tone would be have this enormous fight, defeat, vanquish this great foe, mm. and what ultimately we get is he's just taking a sword off a corpse. Well, <laughs> maybe, yeah. Um, so I thought it was beautiful. I also really loved the way that so much of it seems filmed so as to evoke iconic imagery, be it religious or kind of warlike. So at the beginning, you have the faces that are filmed against a black background, right? You know, particularly the face of the child, it seems almost like wax, right? Like mm, you know. When there being dogs around that fire. No, before oh. that, right? Okay. Um, you know, so, because there are different looks. I mean, you know, uh, Ethan Hawke looks like Odin or you know, <laughs> somebody like that, right? With a scraggly beard and, you know, and so on. Um, but I'm talking of, you know, the images when uh, the mother and son then go greet the father, but now dressed in complete, you know, uh, uh, regal robes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but that's a recurring thing. So, for example, when he's tortured, mm -hmm. right, and you see his bloodied face and he's hanging up, it's like you have the black background and then you have a kind of a fleshiness and the reds come out. Yes. And, you know, it, it does seem like a kind of, you know, religious imagery or kind of iconic imagery of warriors that you see in wood, you know, it has that force in the film. Yeah, well, that's an extraordinary shot, the look of it and mm -hmm. the, the, <laughs> the the swollen black eye and the blood streaming out of his mouth and down his beard mm. and the... I mean, it's it's moist and it's lit to reflect on that. It's it's an incredible shot. Mm. It's an incredible shot. That's an amazing look, that bit. There's also something about um, his, uh, an affinity with animals. I think about that yes. dog and that scene. So, you know, this thing about about acting as dogs when it's the son, the father, Ethan Hawke, and Willem Dafoe, who is the fool at the start, but also appears mm. to have this, this soothsaying um, uh, role. He's the fool and the sage. Yeah. Um, this thing about pretending to be dogs, proving that you're not, and the way they prove it is the father burps and the son farts. Mm. Um, but then there's this thing of, of having, kind of having the dogs on your side. There are one or two points, there's at least one point, where... The adult, Alexander Skarsgård, locks eyes with a wild fox or yes. wolf and, and they connect somehow. And then he uses the, the, the animals, he uses the, um, the wolf, so he, he howls and they all join in. It drives the dog crazy for one thing and the, the, the uncle has to kill the dog. Because this is, this is when he's, he's vowed to, to cause chaos in this place until the time comes when this lake of fire emerges and he will kill him. Mm. This is causing chaos until this point. And then, of course, when he's captured and strung up and tortured, all these ravens fly in and set him free themselves. They mm. said they're on accord, but it's like... And then it, and then I suppose it recalls... Are they of their own accord? Well, or are they... Sent by, sent the by her. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then they start pecking at him, don't they? It was like feeding on his blood or something. Because it recalls Prometheus. Mm. Um, it does. Which, um, uh, which Lighthouse was in part based on. Mm. Um, but you question like, what the punishment would be in that in that case, I don't know. Well, the thing is that he sacrificed himself so that she could run away, really. Yeah. You know, so then kind of she rescues him. Uh, and again, that was an interesting thing because he imagines it as a, as a, as a Valkyrie. Valkyrie. 
you know, whereas, yeah, so, and that is kind of obviously internal. That's what he's thinking as, you know, he's being taken. And then you cut, you cut and you see, like, it's a normal kind of horse, right? <laughs> uh, uh, but he is in a, you know, in a, in a, a hot uh, spring. Um, so I thought it was very beautiful. And I, actually, I think kind of, it's something that I would be interested in seeing again, that I'm sure kind of, you know, you can you can connect the dots and have a mm. an even more complex reading than I think we've been making. Though I hope the one we've been making is a little bit more complex than the one you started with. Well, I still think it's kind of simple. I mean, but but I think part of it is that it just works as a ripping yarn. So I mean, I was interested in the soap opera of it, that what's going to happen next, and how you know how are they going to defeat him, and what's going to happen when the mum, as I say, when the when the mother reveals this um and and tells him this this uh, competing story of what happened in his youth um part of the thrill of that is there's a soap opera to it you know and i that's it's a ripping yarn well it is a ripping yarn but i do also think it's kind of more than that so i think nicole kidman has a line about you know what is this life it's like you know you're a slave and then you suffer and then like you become queen and then you're sold back into slavery you know, yeah, like mm. something like that. Um, you know, so I think I think that it's a film that kind of brings up all of those questions into play. Uh, and the redeeming thing is, you know, is love because actually that is also something that um, the Alexander Skarsgård character has uh, in common with his mother. Yeah, that kind of you know. So the the driving. Uh, uh, the propeller for the actions of both is, you know, she finds a gentleman she loves in the uncle, and thus that motivates the killing of the father. Mm. And he stops being lonely and finds this connection with this woman who, ha you know, who is pregnant with, you know, his children, and that motivates him to jump off the boat and take another course of action than the one he planned. Mm. So I think, I think it's very interesting. Mm. And gives you stuff to think about. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> It'd be nicer if that were the case for you as well. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed it though, and if I saw it again, I would relish the violence a second time. I mean, I don't, you know, I, I, I um, <laughs> I feel like I should, I should, uh, you know, be ashamed of saying that's such a draw. But it was such a draw, and I love the the relish and the abandon with which it is so vicious well you know we have seen so many films that are meant to be about action the pleasure in action and so on that have just so abysmally failed right like uh, uh the jared leto morbius film and <laughs> you know i mean the, the pleasure in that type of cinema is meant to be all about action and how action is done and, fa and fantasy and to a certain extent that was the case also with um uh, uh fantastic beasts, fantastic beasts. Right, and it delivered none of those pleasures. Mm. So actually, this was interesting because I didn't expect any of those pleasures in this film, <laughs> right? And it delivered them, right? I mean, I expected like an art house film, mm. yeah, like like well, yes, the lighthouse and so on, which it, I think it kind of is, but it also does the action incredibly well. Yeah, well, it's a big production, and we were saying before we saw it that it's it's had a big ad campaign, so which which is a thrill to see because it looks so appealing and it is so appealing. Because um, the lighthouse had a couple of big names in it, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe, um, and it was a fantastic film, and it made a certain degree of cultural impact. But it was ultimately still an art house film. Mm. We saw it at the Mac; that's where it lives. 
The Northman is getting advertising on buses, billboards, and it's in Cineworld. Like, it's mm. a big movie. And that it is a big movie that is so, you know, unafraid to be, well, I think it's 15 rated, but to be so violent and to show guts spinning so on, because the violence is, the violence is a thrill in itself, but it's also about, it, it takes it seriously. It's not, it's not kind of flippant. It's about consequences of this kind of way of living and this mm. sort of behaviour and this sort of attitude. And how life. brutal that world was, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, it's great on a cinema screen. You wouldn't want to live like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, that's great. So, um, I highly recommend it. I'm planning on seeing it again. Well, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all very much for listening. We're eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on. Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter, and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.